0: Hey, this is sandy and randy and we're here on at corner
1: being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs and we're here to showcase it all
0: join us as we share our world in sports medicine
1: welcome back to another episode of at corner for this education episode we are exploring a concept that is very foreign when you're working in athletics and that is sleep
0: okay that was a good beginning. that
1: was pretty good right Because, come on, when you work in athletics, you don't sleep.
0: And apparently neither do our athletes.
1: No, athletes don't do the best job of sleeping.
0: Actually, I feel like you get the spectrum. You get sometimes where they don't sleep at all, and then you get the spectrum where they sleep like 12 hours, 12 plus hours.
1: That's true. School complicates it.
0: Right. So what are we talking about in this episode?
1: Yes. so we are going to explain the role sleep plays in The Athlete. We're going to discuss the relationship between sleep and injury, and then we're going to discuss the relationship between sleep and sports performance.
0: Awesome. And if you guys are new, this is a free CEU episode if you are listening to it when it is within our latest five CEU episodes. If it is not, then you can go ahead and go to the show notes and purchase it from our partner, Precision AT, who is providing these latest five free yes, CEUs. That's right. All right, Randy. So why exactly is sleep important?
1: I would say that's a great question to start off, right? The whole premise of why do we even care about sleep? So in general, sleep is the chance for the body to repair itself, right? This is where the brain actually repairs the neural connections, uh, energy systems are restored, and you can actually get a nice little tissue repair process going. So in general, that's why sleep's very important to recovery, and it kind of explains The relationship between injury and performance as well so in general how you want to think of sleep is it's divided into basically five stages you have your non-REM which is non uh, rapid eye movement and then obviously REM which is your rapid eye movement sleep
0: so is this like when you're talking about the the three different parts of sleep the neural connections energy systems repaired and or i mean restored and the tissue repair um is that any sleep or is that specifically like is does that happen in naps too Uh,
1: kind of um well we talk about the stages we'll kind of talk about what stage like a lot of these um benefits of sleep take place but it could take place in naps a little bit yes especially if you are in a sleep deprived state Got it. so for your non-rem sleep non-rem sleep this is basically stages one through four so stage one and two really not going to talk about it that much this is kind of like your non-restorative sleep so basically if you're stuck in this stage or spend a lot of time in here uh you're not getting a you're not getting a lot of benefits of your sleep
0: does stage one and two and three and four refer to like how light or deep or what is what are yes the stages? so
1: stage one and two are a lot lighter so basically stage one's the transition between being awake and you're starting to fall asleep so this is where the external stimuli starts to diminish and then you're kind of progressing like into stage two and then stage three and four is your deeper levels of sleep. Obviously there's a lot that goes into that with like brain waves and like how they measure sleep. So I'm definitely oversimplifying the answer, but that's essentially how you look at it?
0: I mean, it's kind of good because if you could over, if you could simplify it or oversimplify it, we're going to take that information and just continue to simplify it or at least use the simplification when we're talking about our talking to our athletes and patients so
1: yes and because and that's why stage one stage two are kind of viewed as non-restorative because you're still very light into the sleep there's not a lot of like physiological benefits that are happening compared to like stage three and four which in those last two stages the stage three and four you see the highest level of cell restoration and a lot of this can be due to that's really where growth hormone secretion peaks is right around stage three and four. So you're starting to see where the the energy systems get restored. Cells are starting to repair themselves. So that's a big area for actually those recovery aspects of sleep and how it just kind of makes your body feel good. Um, And then we go into REM sleep. This is your rapid eye movement sleep. And this is believed to occur around 90 minutes into your sleep cycle. So, obviously, obviously we sleep longer than an hour and a half. So, essentially, your I body... I hope we sleep yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, for those recommended 8 to 10 hours, if you're an adult, um, basically, your body goes through all these stages, like, in a cycle while you sleep. So, you're not just going to spend some time in stage 1 and then never see it again, right? You're going to go alternating through these cycles. So, when I was reading about the stages of sleep... This one article had the best description of REM sleep, and I started dying laughing, and that's how you know you're nerdy when you laugh at this. They called it... They called REM sleep a hallucinating brain in a paralyzed body.
0: So you... I thought
1: that was the most hilarious analogy ever, or description, I should say.
0: So during REM, you don't move?
1: Yeah, this is basically your brain... They, it's funny they actually looked at the brainwaves and REM sleep has the very similar brainwaves to when you're awake mm. so this is like the idea of this is where you're dreaming and like so you're problem
0: solving exactly You know when you go to sleep with a problem and then you wake up with a solution
1: exactly REM sleep that's why.
0: yep thanks REM
1: yeah yeah thanks REM <laughs> um yeah so essentially this is you know the brain starting to you know, build those connections. And it is important for how they describe memory consolidation and brain plasticity, which is basically just saying how you form memories and how your brain learns. Um, A key function of REM is you, you do see myofibril restoration. So you're still getting some recovery of your myofibrils and your muscles and increased protein synthesis as well. So you can see why sleep has a really big repair process and recovery process. And of course, like we said, the learning aspect, which I didn't look for this specifically, but I'd be very intrigued. How does sleep affect motor learning?
0: That is a good question, right? If
1: you're trying to learn a new movement pattern, could sleep prove beneficial there? I mean, it's good for all other types of learning. Why not motor?
0: So essentially, like we learn something and then we go to sleep and we like... Your, store it, and yeah, and like, your
1: your brain's trying, still taking the time to build those connections.
0: So essentially, coaches should really be urging their athletes to sleep after they do like <laughs> film or meetings or when they're when they're trying to. It's not a bad idea. Trying to really work on technique or something, and you know
1: that can tie into our sleep hygiene. At the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how we can maybe improve some sleep. Yeah, yeah, this is a big episode. Hope it doesn't put anyone to sleep though. <laughs> Get it? It's a sleep episode. I was waiting for that one. I had that one in the holster ready to go. Of course you did. All right. So now that we talked about what just what sleep is, why it's beneficial, now we have to talk about okay, the whole the whole point of why we made this this episode is how does sleep affect injury risk? And if you really look into the literature, as with most risk factors for injury the answer is a definitive problem possibly or probably
0: sounds like research
1: (laughs) yes and the reason is because like we've said on multiple episodes you know injury is very multifactorial there is a lot of causes to injury and they all are related to each other and they all work together work against each other. There's different different things right it's the same thing when we talk about muscle strength all right. There's always those studies that look at like, oh, how does it does having weakness cause injury? And that literature is always mixed. There's some that say yes, some that say no. So I think if you just pull out sleep alone, I think it's a very weak risk factor for injury. The literature is very mixed. Some studies say, hey, if you get less than eight hours, they do see an increased injury risk. Well, some say, eh, there's really not much of an increased risk
0: now. I like to play the caveat, and we've done this before, because I feel like sometimes, actually a lot of time, when we're talking about injury risk, we, as clinicians, I think a lot of times think, oh, injury risk means risk of injury before it happens. Yeah. But I like to look at injury risk as risk after you've already been injured, you should take these risk factors into consideration Absolutely. when you're returning an athlete. So-, so after someone's already injured, maybe we're looking at these risk factors as, okay, we, we think that this has an effect on injury. You're already injured. If you want to continue on your path of return to play and you don't want to get secondary injury or you don't want to get re-injured, Maybe that's when we start looking at this quote-unquote injury risk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, and we already know previous injury is already one of the biggest risk factors for a future injury. So like you said, that that can play a role and magnify the effects. And I think that's how we have to look at sleep when it comes to injury risk. All right? We already know sleep can see a decrease in reaction time and coordination, which is all very important to athletics for one performance and also for protecting yourself and affecting injury risk as well. Um, what I thought was very interesting was a lot of the studies that were looking at sleep and injury were pairing it with a lot of subjective well-being like measures, basically asking how people's mood was, how tired they were. And when it was combined with like looking at well-being, the studies that I found showed that there's a pretty good risk factor that sleep and a lower well-being increases the risk of injury
0: i would wonder if well-being alone just increases so the that's risk
1: of that's actually the argument that they're making is well-being is the better accumulation of the answer because there's so many things that can go into it that it could give you a good indicator of injury risk which i think this episode was perfect to tie into our previous education episode on training load because mm-hmm. training load we talked about, I mean, is subjective. You're kind of going off of how the athlete feels, right? This ties in perfectly, right? If they just feel crappy, right, then there might be a, a risk of injury. So there definitely is a big push that I've noticed in the articles that I've read to actually monitor some of these subjective um, uh, feelings that some of the student, some of the athletes are feeling.
0: So, which that- I
1: understand might scare some objective people.
0: <laughs> which is like a lot of clinicians yes um and that also makes me wonder so if we're talking about well-being overall then are we talking about if someone gets a really really good sleep for six days and then one day they get just a crappy night's sleep yeah then does that mean that they would have a higher injury risk? Or are we looking more at that overall well-being, this person who is consistently not getting a good night's sleep? Like how do those pair up?
1: So that's um, that's why injury is so complicated because it's just like taking knee valgus, right? Everyone talks about knee valgus being a risk factor for ACL injury or countless knee injuries to begin with. But it's not a guarantee, right right. if you go into knee valgus one time that doesn't mean like uh oh that ACL is gone right
0: I, I watched an athlete play for four years w- with who knee valgus. Ran in knee valgus right with every step it's just on both legs
1: it's just an elevated risk right it's not a guarantee that that's going to happen so that does play a role as well but also some of the literature was saying that how they calculated like okay here was the risk of injury is they basically calculated it from okay here's what their well-being was or here's what their sleep was right before the injury. And they noticed that it was less. But we also have to account for getting one night of bad sleep or that really affects your well-being and makes you feel like crap, like we were talking, is probably not the end of the world.
0: Right, it would be accumulation.
1: Exactly. That's what they're trying to argue. Like a lot of these effects that we're seeing are possibly because of a chronic lack of sleep.
0: I mean it all stems down to moderation of everything. Like if Absolutely. you if you eat great but then you eat one bad meal, like does that mean that you No, oh, it's
1: gone. you everything's gone.
0: Right. Or is it consistently that you eat bad meals that it's unhealthy?
1: Exactly. And that's the argument they were trying to make is it's more of the chronicity of lack of sleep as opposed to this one moment in time you messed up your bedtime (laughs) and you got hurt see mom was right
0: just really need to pee in the middle of the night
1: or you tricked your dog into thinking it was morning yep yeah we know that one huh yeah we did right so it's not necessarily that one moment I think it's looking at it more on a spectrum of um, the chronicity of it. if it keeps happening that's a problem And another reason, I'm glad you brought that up, why I think it's important is, like we said, sleep plays, it's an important arm in a lot of different things that affect injury risk. And I thought one thing, and again, it ties into training load, is they actually found that sleep can actually protect your injury risk when you're at high training loads. So we talked about how tr- high training loads, like especially a high acute training load, is just not good. Bad idea. Don't don't jump from 10 miles to 70 miles a week when you're running.
0: Um, stress fracture.
1: Exactly. Right. They actually found that getting the proper amount of sleep and maybe even extending your sleep a little bit than normal actually protects you from those effects of high training load.
0: You know what? I've been using this analogy with my athletes, and I don't know how well it's going to come over podcast form because unless you're, like, watching. But I put my hands in the air, and I, I show them... In the
1: air, a- air. Not like that. Oh, sorry.
0: And I show them, like, what we're doing, like, the rehab, all the two steps forward. A lot of them have been asking me, how long is this going to take? <laughs> and I'm like, how long with you playing football? Or how yeah. long if you weren't playing football? Yeah. Right? So I... I just show them like, okay, with rehab, we're doing all these great things. We're moving forward. Yeah. But every time that you plant, every time that you cut, every time that you mm-hmm. re-irritate it, we're moving backwards. Ooh, so that's a good one. So it's, it's that balance of like, how much are we moving forward yeah. that we're also negating yeah. with that moving backward? As yeah. long as we're moving forward more than we're moving backward, we're still a making a positive. Yeah. Right. So I think that kind of shows like the, the work hard sleep hard. Yes. Because if you have a high training load and then you have the high sleep load. Yeah. It's the it's the. You're able positive. To, yep. And the negative, yep. and you're able to to still factor out that yeah. middle
1: and we talked about sleep being crucial for the repair process so that right. it can help handle that higher training load which obviously on the flip side if you have a high training load and you're not getting a lot of sleep right now you're now it's like putting a magnifying glass and magnifying the problem so we already know high training loads bad now if you pair in well i'm not going to sleep much now it just got even worse so to put an arbitrary number right if uh um training load is increase your risk five times this is made up numbers please don't quote me on Mm -hmm. that right lack of sleep has now magnified it to like eight right so it's like that's what you're getting when you have sleep sleep's not necessarily like the end-all be-all for risk factors but it can definitely be a contribute to a contributor to all these other risk factors Mm -hmm. and magnify them if it's if you don't have proper sleep but it can also
0: like a snowball effect
1: exactly but it can also dampen those risks if you get a a good amount of sleep makes sense all right so now that we talked about injury risk now we got we got to hit hit the stuff that the athletes really really want to dive into and that's athletic performance all right we're all about performance here
0: you know performance is how i get my buy-in for, that is true uh, for arch strength yeah that's true. i tell them it's gonna help not only with their balance which they don't really care about but it helps with their sprint speed. they And oh, as they're soon as in. I say those words, buy-in oh, right the, well, there. The,
1: well, because you just told them to make some faster.
0: I know. And they're
1: all in on getting so, faster because we're all going to the NFL.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so having a lack of sleep has been shown... I, I loved how they worded this one. Has been shown to decrease motivation. When you are tired, you are not motivated to do anything.
0: No chance. Which...
1: Again, yeah, that proves that could really kill athletic performance. Yeah. Like if you're not motivated to do a task that much, you're probably not going to care to do it.
0: It's a case of the Mondays.
1: Oh, yeah. My team had a case of the Mondays. Holy smokes.
0: So did mine.
1: Yeah. Tough weekend for our athletics. Um, Where were we? Here we go uh lack of sleep has also been shown to decrease power and strength some of that again goes back into that motivation factor right like if you just don't feel motivated to execute that maximal movement you know you're probably not going to have as much force production you're going to see a a decrease in that performance
0: you know this kind of reminds me of like people and anyone who's struggled with anemia yeah or being anemic has will like resonate with this um when you are fatigued and you try to do stuff versus when you have enough iron yeah. and you're not fatigued, there's such a difference. Big time. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, just it's that motivation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%. And they found this like decrease in like power and strength in repeated bouts. So, in maximal exercise, like if you're doing a, like a, you're maxing out or something like that, you may not see that much of a difference whether you're tired or not. But some of that makes sense because it's also kind of like in the uh, DOMS research anyways, like when we talk about recovery, right? Being sore may not affect your max performance. So your one rep max, right? If you're maxing out that day, you still might be able to do it and hit your normal reps. But in what sport besides Olympic lifting, (laughs) in what sport do we just do one thing one time?
0: Um, I feel like you get pretty close with like your throws,
1: but they have to repeat the throws. You don't just throw once and like, yeah, I'm out.
0: But like three, it's like your three rep max. That's
1: true. That's true. That's a good argument. You asked for the closest. That's true. Yeah.
0: Closest I got.
1: So in repeated bouts, which, you know, a lot of team sports, you know, you're doing things multiple times. So that decreased power and strength, that could be a problem. You can see a big drop off in athletic performance there. And then, of course, endurance, which, again, ties into the motivation factor, which to be an endurance athlete already takes a lot of motivation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 I ran a steeplechase for how many? 800 meters? And I had to dip out.
0: You also didn't train that well.
1: I didn't. But, again, the motivation factor. (laughs) So and then, of course, with lack of sleep, we already kind of talked about when we talked about injury risk are the cognitive decreases, right? Again, goes ties into motivation as well, but also uh, decreased reaction time, decreased coordination. So like accuracy tasks, you know, even on one night of decreased sleep, you can see accuracy and like those um, more like coordination tasks actually fall a little bit, right? Which is a big deal when your quarterback has to make like throws on a dime, and if he's a little tired, he might that might be a pick six instead of a regular touchdown. I, I figured you'd like the football analogy for you.
0: We don't talk about football.
1: Okay. Or your star sprinter, you know, his reaction time's a little down because he's a little tired and he's a little late out of the blocks.
0: We don't talk about track.
1: Okay. <laughs> we don't talk about sports here.
0: <laughs> Only sleep.
1: <laughs> Only sleep. But it is important that a lot of these a lot of these studies, especially when we're talking about like athletic performance or um, injury risk too, is they really did put them into a really bad sleep deprivation state. Like there were some articles I was reading that they did like three to four hours of sleep on multiple nights. Oof, and that's not I mean, it is realistic for some people, but for I think our average athlete, that's not the the norm. Right. They're probably sitting around five, six. Right. Mm -hmm. It's still not. I believe it for young adults, it's recommended to get like eight or ten. And athletes should probably get closer to the ten aspect of it. But so that is kind of like, hey, take that with a grain of salt. But I would say if you're sleeping like six hours or so every night as an athlete. Right. That's going to build up. And I think that accumulation of just lack of sleep is going to crush you right there.
0: Right. And I think it also goes i mean obviously we're not nothing is just one and done yes but that just makes me think of hand in hand with nutrition like yeah, if an athlete is burning so many calories obviously they're going to need more food so yes. so that should also go hand in hand with their they obviously i want to say quote unquote should <laughs> need more sleep yes but it's not as easy yeah. because it's not as
1: and also everyone's Instant. a little bit different. Yeah, and everyone's a little bit different. Right. On how they sleep, what they prefer to sleep. Right. Yeah.
0: You know what I would be interested in? Um, they're talking about cognitive decreases. Yeah. I would be interested in how that affects, let's say, like a concussion exam. Ooh. B- the reason why is because a lot of those cognitive tasks we use as like you know especially on those borderline athletes that are like oh like are you having symptoms because you hit your head yeah. or are you having symptoms because you have a concussion well
1: well, that's um, like when I have athletes that are getting close to their return to play and they're still lagging on their neurocognitive stuff I do tell them like hey let's try to take this test like when you're well rested mm-hmm. right don't don't try and do this right in the morning or please do not take this at like midnight Right, because yeah, I've yeah, that could definitely play a role because they do measure reaction time and coordination.
0: Right, all of those things. Yeah.
1: but also when talking about concussions, I definitely think sleep could play a role because again, we talked about the importance of how the brain heals from the day and the oh, stress yeah? of the day uh-huh. during sleep. So you know, you know, athletes with concussion sleeping—that's great treatment right there.
0: Well, you hear about your concussed kids who have slept like oh yeah so much
1: so much yeah increase their sleep, yeah. hours and well speaking of sleeping for 14 plus <laughs> hours let's talk about how we can improve our sleep let's do this yes please so i always like reading about how to improve sleep because it all sounds great and i'm like all right i can't wait to do this and then i never do any of them so <laughs> i always get so fascinated, like yeah i want to try this to see if it helps and then i just typical athletic trainer i don't do it myself right
0: We are our best patients. Yeah, yeah.
1: quote unquote best. (laughs) So when we're talking about sleep, improving sleep hygiene, it's essentially just how do we create the best environment possible to sleep? And one of the highlights that that everyone likes to talk about is light itself. The reason light's important is because that's how our brain understands when it's time to wake up Mm -hmm. and when it's time to go to bed and you know in today's society right we're surrounded by light all the time so it really does mess with your your sleep rhythm about when your body's like oh it's bedtime we need to start we need to start shutting down Look, turn off the lights shut it down right it it affects it
0: yeah blackout curtains man
1: best thing ever
0: yeah but then you never wake up
1: no, yeah that's a problem but you get to sleep really nice
0: you sleep nice
1: So one of the key areas that they wanted to talk about is decreasing the blue light prior to bed. And I've seen stuff saying limit electronic use around 30 minutes to bed. I've seen some stuff that says up to an hour before bed, which, again, in today's in today's world is uh, pretty tough to do in general. But. Just even adding like glasses that filter blue light could make a big difference. And the reason the blue light's the problem is because there's literature showing that blue light actually decreases your body's um, melatonin production, which melatonin is what tells your body like, all right, you're going down. It's bedtime. So the blue light's the problem. And they were saying the red light is good. Red light actually doesn't have any effect on melatonin, so that's why the blue light filter is better because then you can still do electronic stuff without affecting your melatonin.
0: Um, by the way, you can do this on your phone. So I go um, on my Apple iPhone. I can, I've can. i taken the blue light off all yeah. day long. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how I did it, but I'm sure <laughs> if you message me, I can go into my settings and look. Yeah. Um, it does make your screen a little bit yellow which makes pe- I'm used to it <laughs> but now that when I hand my my phone to someone they're like oh your phone's yellow. Yeah. So but honestly like if I don't have to wear blue light glasses to look at my phone like I get enough screen time. Yeah. You know. That's true.
1: Um and the next kind of talking about light is what they call a dawn simulation, which essentially is you're waking up to a light progression. So instead of just all of a sudden all the lights come on or like you're waking up to a dark room, you have some kind of system that apparently the lights gradually turn on. So then it simulates dawn and then your your body's naturally using that light to like, oh, it's time to start waking up.
0: I have never heard of that.
1: It sounds cool, but I'm sure it's expensive.
0: Yeah, I feel like if that if that was like revolutionary, I feel like that's something that people would.
1: I think that's a, I bet that's an elite athlete thing. Hmm. I feel like it's got to be. But I would love to find something that does this because that's kind of cool. Yeah. And again, it sounds cool. Will I ever probably do it? Probably not.
0: I mean, remember when we were going on our hiking trip and uh-huh. we had to wake up. Here at our time, 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, we, we trained our bodies to wake up we at did. 2 a.m. so that it would be 5 a.m. when we yeah. go on our hiking trip. We did on the East Coast.
1: So some easier tasks. One simple task that I thought was really cool was having a consistent bedtime. And the reason this is important is because now it sets your circadian rhythm, right? If you know, hey, we're going to bed around this time, your body's already adjusting to that clock. Which, again, athletics makes that very hard to do. But as long as you're being, in general, consistent, that could be huge. And it's a quick way to improve your sleep.
0: Um, You know, this consistent bedtime thing, there are a lot of different sleep trackers you can use. You can use yeah. your watch. You can use, I have an Aura ring that my friend gave me. And um, it's really cool. I mean, it shows, like, the trends and... You know, those things that you look at activity trackers and it's like, okay, well, how accurate is this? But, but it's not necessarily about the accuracy. It's more about the consistency, but, and that's how I, I look at it because, yeah. um, it does show like, oh, when am I in light sleep? When am I in REM sleep? When am I in deep sleep? Exactly. Um, how accurate are those numbers? I don't know, but at least I can look over time cause it should be, it's, it's always recording me. Yes. And, and it actually that one of their new updates it has a uh uh tracker that says like the last seven days nice. and what my bedtime is and you can see my trend of like okay what's my average bedtime how much have i been deviating from yeah that? so it's actually really cool well, it's like a visual
1: it's funny you bring that up the actual validity of like the wrist monitors for like sleep and stuff are actually pretty good really it actually does a good job of mapping your um sleep now is it perfect no they're still the gold standard of it's like it's a really long word to say it's essentially one where they put like the electrodes on your head and then basically monitor your sleep and then look at the brain waves like that's the gold standard of course but the wrists like i think it's like wrist um actigraphy or whatever like those are actually pretty valid Hmm, I So you that. so you could use that to monitor your sleep. And like you said, like even if it's not giving you the exact measure, right, as long as it's able to reliably measure that change. Right. You can still use it because you're looking for deviations. You're looking for changes. So if you should if you do use that to monitor your sleep, feel good that it is a pretty valid measure. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. It's not terrible, essentially, which yeah. I guess in research is pretty good. If it's not terrible,
0: although I feel like it's also like the <laughs> the whole imaging thing, where yeah. like you have back pain, you go get imaging, you find out something's wrong or something's not wrong, yeah. and then suddenly something is wrong or something's not wrong, yeah. you know. Whereas I feel like I definitely knew I woke up throughout the night before uh-huh. I started like looking at my sleep patterns, um, but now that I get a graph every morning that shows me <laughs> how much I wake up throughout the night. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's like that back imaging.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: another task. And again, it's
1: it's somewhat simple. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of equipment, I should say. Obviously, in athletics, it's really hard for our student athletes and us or, you know, ourselves. We are a part of this sleep discussion as well.
0: What are you talking about? We have treatment tables we can sleep on all day long.
1: <laughs> well, well, that will go into the nap <laughs> section. Don't worry. But uh, sleep extension. So essentially just increasing your sleep by another they had it like thirty minutes or an hour. This really comes in handy for if you're already in a sleep-deprived state. So if you already had a lack of sleep, trying to get an extra thirty minutes or hour over your normal can see you can see an already big gain in your function. Does that? Yes.
0: So sleeping in, in might the weekends
1: if you're sleep-deprived. Yes, Who's
0: but not. But Who if is- you. Please tell me. Who if, is not sleep depressed?
1: If you have already good sleep, actually sleeping in longer than your normal is actually detrimental.
0: You know what I feel like when I actually had really, really good sleep, um, I wouldn't sleep in. Like Yeah.
1: Staying in bed too long is actually detrimental. And it actually makes you feel tired.
0: I can see that. Yeah. I think we've all felt that before. Yes,
1: And well and that ties into naps very well. So there's always a big argument on naps. I've heard coaches tell their athletes one thing. And then so a lot of people are like Iffy if naps are actually good or bad. And the answer is both. So if you're shooting for a nap, they tell you to do a short nap. And this is basically what they tell you is about uh, f- uh, five to 30 minutes of a nap. And the reason this is important is because you don't want to start going through your full sleep cycle. So you're trying to avoid going into your deeper areas of sleep because if you interrupt that, yeah, you're that's where you get that grogginess and that fog and you're like, oh,
0: which actually really is interesting. And this goes again with the how accurate are these sleep trackers, but like my sleep tracker pretty much shows I go straight into deep sleep when I fall asleep. And so I wonder I could
1: I could actually imagine that. (laughs)
0: yep yeah yep
1: (laughs) but if you're gonna nap for a long time you might want to go an hour and a half and the reason if you're gonna nap for a long time to shoot for that 90 minutes is because that basically gives you a sleep cycle
0: what if you do three hours like twice that
1: Uh, it would give you two sleep cycles so so as long as you're so so as long as you're Ending your sleep cycle that might be all right, but I mean, three hours is a long time,
0: right? It is.
1: So, yeah, that's a long time. (laughs) Well, I mean, some people some people
0: are like long nappers, like they're like, "Oh, I'm just gonna catch up on some sleep." Yeah, you know, actually, this is some some good wisdom that I learned in like a long, long time ago that I should probably fact check before putting on a CU episode. Okay, um, sorry guys, just disclaimer: I did not read about this. Um, so I actually learned it in psych class. So there's some so there's some backing to it. Um, REM sleep. If you are deprived of REM sleep, your body tends to try to catch up. Uh-huh. And so when you're deprived of REM sleep, then when you do have time to sleep and you do go into that REM, that's when you have more intense dreams. Ooh. Because in a shorter period of time, you're getting more REM.
1: You're hallucinating more.
0: Exactly. With your body <laughs> paralyzed. right? So, so your body is more likely to have those nightmare dreams or more oh like, my gosh. right. So if you have been sleep deprived, that's why a lot of times people wake up and be like, Oh, I have like really intense dreams right now. That also goes into the factor why you shouldn't take, um, what is it? Melatonin. Yeah. Over a long period of time. See that. The reason why is because melatonin prevents you from going into a, either enough REM sleep or prevents oh, you from going into REM sleep. So, like, for example, I know people who have taken melatonin for a long time. And now if they don't take it, then they get like night terrors or like oh my really gosh. bad nightmares. That's crazy. Because their REM sleep is essentially trying to catch up. Yeah. So, again, don't fact me- check me on that. I'm going to look it up later. Hopefully it's all... Good, but I did learn that from a site class. Interesting. I did not read it in a research <laughs> article. It is not part of the CU.
1: <laughs> yeah, we won't put that one on the quiz then. Um, and then obviously it kind of goes without saying. You probably shouldn't nap late in the day. Right, because then it ties into your actual rhythm, and it actually goes into nighttime.
0: Night night.
1: Yeah, and it messes with night night time, which. I definitely know this happens to me. Even if I did a short nap, which on average, this is not good. I sleep, I nap about an hour, which messes me up, hmm. which then I always tend to do it towards the end of the day, which I already know is going to mess with my sleep. I need to be better about my sleep. My sleep's a mess, apparently.
0: You sleep more than I do.
1: Probably because I don't get good sleep. Yeah. Because I'm reading <laughs> I'm reading off the computer before <laughs> bedtime. I'm reading my research articles. <laughs> See, there was There's a benefit. nothing
0: more nerdy than what you just said.
1: Yeah, it affects my sleep because I'm reading because oh, I'm trying to be a better AT every day. Yes. Hey, I used to print them out. See, me going digital is affecting my health. But it's saving trees. I used to print out a lot. My classmates can definitely vouch for that one. Yeah. I printed out a lot. <laughs>
0: So speaking of how many references did we use for this episode?
1: Uh, I believe it was like 14, 15 around there.
0: Okay. So if you guys want to check out those references, make sure you go down to our show notes. We'll have the website listed, which is also where you can find the CEU link. Again, it is free if you're listening to it within the last five thank episodes. Thank you,
1: Precision AT.
0: Last five CEU episodes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Precision AT. Um, if it's not, then... Click on that same link. It will take you to a page where you can purchase. And we do not have bonus content for this.
1: No, I figured it'd be pretty boring just watching us sleep. Please don't. Yeah, it's a little weird. Also, we do have an affiliate link with MedBridge, correct?
0: Yes, and I think they have some sleep content on there.
1: I'm sure they do. They have to. Who doesn't? Right. Right. Yes. So if you go through that link and, you know, sign up for a subscription with uh, MedBridge using the code 80corner, you get 150 off, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Off the
1: subscription. So, pretty good deal and I know it doesn't seem like it. But that CE reporting is slowly creeping. It is. It's coming. 2023. It's coming. Might be a good time to I just hit my microphone. It uh Hey, it's never too early to get caught up on your CEUs.
0: Two more things: if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode. Next week, we're going back to our stories. If you want to submit a story, make sure you watch out in our Instagram stories for upcoming episodes or prompts. Um, we haven't really picked a day, a solid day of where when they pop up. Um, just look throughout the week. They and I definitely always post them in the morning. So look out for that. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we have a Facebook group. So if you want to comment on this episode, if you want to talk about sleep, if you want to hear other clinicians um, and engage in discussions about that, head over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast.
1: Yep. We'll be there.
0: Got anything else ready?
1: Nope. That was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.
0: Let's go to sleep.